Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, and just put one. All right. How's everyone doing tonight? Good? Good? Did everyone enjoy that wonderful white powder of frozen water that caused just absolute mayhem in our entire area because no one can remember how to drive and function or, oh boy, or live in a, uh, can we make sure that this channel is all the way down in the ox? Thank you, Teresa. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, the mayhem that was on Wednesday night and Thursday and Friday. If anyone had to go into Portland, you understood what that mayhem was like. <laughs> oh, I love the snow. I don't love the people of Portland when it comes to snow time. They have no idea what they're doing. And it's not fun. And it was not restful by any stretch of the imagination, trying to drive, white-knuckling it into Portland with all the ice and seeing someone else start to jackknife right next to you. And you're like, oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, please. <laughs> that was my commute on Friday, night, Friday morning. Ah, oh, I just love this area. Just love it. All right. So if this is your first time with us, which I think uh, all the faces look fairly familiar, so you've been with us for most of the Sabbath practice, um, but we've been diving in and dissecting and trying to learn about what it means to Sabbath. Um, and if it's your first time here, I'm going to give you just a quick, quick synopsis of how we've gotten to the point in which we're at today. And so we finally reached this final component of Sabbath. There's been four components, but this component is arguably the most crucial part of the entire practice, the entire spiritual discipline. So if this is your first time here, you came to the right one. If you've missed all the rest of them, go back, listen to the audio podcast, catch up um, so that you can put all the puzzle pieces together for tonight. So let's recap how we've gotten here. So in our first component, we laid out the first step to intentionally stop from the busyness of life for a set amount of time. For many of us, it's a full 24-hour period. That's been the general understanding of Sabbath, was from sundown to sundown the next day. But for some of us that have small little ones, three kids of my own, uh, a whole day is not necessarily feasible. So for our family, we adopted kind of a 12-hour Sabbath, where we start at sundown and we go until about 10, 11 o'clock the next morning because our kids won't allow for a full day of just stopping and resting and trying to be in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> they make it a little challenging. But it's a time to purposely say no to the things in your life that are 
toiling and work, things that just bring you hardship throughout your day. So for me, one of the things that I would not be doing come summertime on my Sabbath, I am not touching the lawn ever <laughs> during that 12-hour period, no matter who asked me. That's a no. <laughs> on the second, the, our second component was because we've taken the time and we've stopped, we've created this space for us to be able to enter in to some rest. A rest that is meant to be both reviving for our bodies, but also restoring and reviving for our spirits as well. And then our third component, since we've stopped and we've created space in order to rest, we then create space to be able to delight, to take joy and delight in all the things that we do, the things that God has created. I know for me, when we first went over the first delight practice um, in our contending community, I was so excited. I was just coming off of a stomach flu for that entire week leading up to it. And so I had been on the brat diet of just bread, or what is it? Uh, banana, thank you. Rice, applesauce, and toast. The banana didn't sit well. Um, we didn't really have much rice. And so I was just living off of applesauce and uh, toast, or in this case, crackers or an English muffin for like the few days leading into it. And so that contending community, oh, it was so nice to be able to actually eat some real delicious food. And it was just a, an incredible time to be around family, to be around this part of my family, the part that I'm likely more closer to than my natural family, the family of God. And so every single component of the Sabbath has actually intentionally built upon the next step. I don't know if you noticed that, but this has been intentional. And it's to bring us to the ultimate reason for Sabbath. Yes, Sabbath is for us to stop and to rest and to delight. But without this final component, then Sabbath is just a shadow of what God actually intended it to be. And this final component is worship. All of this is accumulating to worship. When, uh, just to kind of give you a peek behind me and David's relationship just a little bit, when he asked me to, uh, to teach on, on this component, one, it's, it's kind of cool that I kind of get to bookend this where I opened us up, and now I get to help bring us to a close. It's kind of cool to be able to do that. I've never done that. So thank you for allowing me to do that. But uh, when David and I were talking, he said, now, I don't want to typecast you. This is David. I don't want to typecast you, but would you speak on worship? Because he, he, just, he knows how much I love worship. And you can typecast me all you want. <laughs> Anytime I get to talk about worship and what it means... I will gladly do it. So it's not typecasting me at all, if it's true. Um, but let's begin to dig into this. And to dig into this, we're going to really want to start with our, our verse 
our, our main verse, the commandment to Sabbath in Exodus. So we want to lay the groundwork, and let's dig into this verse, because this component is the most pivotal aspect of our Sabbath. In Exodus 20, 8 through 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, let the Lord... Or, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In the very first line of this commandment, we actually see that there are two commands within it. First, we are to remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. And there are a few other verses within Scripture that reference this. Exodus 23, 12, 31, 13 through 16, Leviticus 26, 2, and Deuteronomy 5, 12 all correlate in us remembering or making sure that we Sabbath. But this word remember in Hebrew is the word zakor, which means, yes, to name, mention, and remember— but there's also this aspect of it meaning to make known, profess, and praise. So this aspect of worship, we can already see, is embedded within the very first word. The first word of us remembering or commanding, or the command for us to keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. And then secondly, keep it holy. And the Hebrew word for holy is kadash, which means removed from common use, subject to special treatment. And for us in uh, today's uh, context, the theological term that's mostly used is going to be set apart. Holy means to be set apart. Our time of Sabbath in God's design is intended for it to be something that is special and uncommon and completely set apart for a much greater purpose. And when we look at this call to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, we're called to view our Sabbath as more than just a day off. If we view Sabbath as only a day to stop and rest and delight, then honestly, all we're doing is we're just describing the modern 21st century weekend. The day where we no longer go to work and we just play all we want to our heart's content. That's what the world's vision and definition of Sabbath would be that we just stop and then we just delight 
in whatever it is that we want to do. But not only this, but it also means that our Sabbath, or if, if we view it as just a weekend or the time to just delight, then really all it is is we're being driven by our fleshly desires rather than the desire that is deep down within our spirit and soul is to commune with our Father, to be in His presence. Our Sabbath is meant to be something that is set apart for the special purpose of stopping, resting, and delighting in the presence of our God. And when we do this, then we're beginning to worship when we delight in the presence of our God, not just in our activities that we do, the things that we enjoy, but in his presence, then we begin to step into worship. And we see the command of keeping the Sabbath holy as being so important that the command bookends this aspect. In verse 11, but the cool thing about verse 11, and if you listen to the Bible Project, uh, Tim Mackey will talk about how many verses were hyperlink, he calls it, to other verses within Scripture. And verse 11 is a hyperlink, almost verbatim, to the creation account in Genesis 2, verse 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And the really cool thing, if we look at this verse, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. That term sanctified is another term for making holy. And normally, back in ancient times, different religions would have a holy place or a holy idol that they would designate to be where they would worship and be in the presence of their God. But our God, a place or an idol, is not what he desires. It's not enough. It doesn't encapsulate everything for who he is. No, he wanted to bless and make a whole day holy, a whole day set apart for his purpose, for us to be able to worship him. And it's only later that we see in Scripture that from the fall, then does he still desire to make a way for us to be in his presence by making the tabernacle and then later the temple, designating a place for his people to gather to worship him. But that was never the design. The design was never for us to be worshiping him at a tabernacle or in a temple, but to be in his presence in the garden and worship him and rest and delight in his presence for an entire day. His design was always for the Sabbath to be a day where God and his creation would commune together for that special purpose of being in presence with one another. 
us worshiping him and he rejuvenating our souls and spirits. This would be a day of worship. And when we talk about worship, most of us will likely think of what we just did about 10 minutes ago, of gathering together, singing songs with guitars and music, singing praises to his name. That's usually what a lot of us will think of worship. And that is by all means not the wrong assumption to have. It's not a wrong idea. In scripture we see it time and time again where we're called to sing praises to him. You wouldn't be wrong at all. It is absolutely an aspect of worship that everyone can do on a Sabbath day. And in fact, it's my personal it's personally my favorite way to worship, to sing praise, and on the Sabbath day to have my guitar and just be in his presence and sit and sing songs that would begin to flow or songs I already know. So for me, as a worship guy, it just naturally would make sense. But that's not the only way in which we can worship. Worship isn't just about us gathering together to sing praise and songs to him. And for some of us, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to incorporate Sunday mor- or Sunday evenings or Sunday mornings into our Sabbath day. It, it's fun. It's fun to sing together. But there's more to worship than just that. At its core and at its heart, worship is more of a reorientation of our hearts and our lives. It's a re-centralization of Jesus within us and within our lives. Allowing him to be the focus of our day. Which means that the way that we worship the Lord can look and have many different forms and look many different ways. So you can worship God by giving your time and resources by giving gratitude and thankfulness, rejoicing in his goodness and faithfulness, blessing his name and praising his name, and those two do not have to be linked to singing. All of these are just some examples of worship. Bless you, baby girl. Ten years ago, I... uh, for the first time ever, was it 10? No, 12. 2010 or 2013. So yeah, 12 years ago. I always hate doing that. Um, I went for a hike to Beacon Rock. First time I'd ever done it, and I was a youth leader. I took some of the guys that uh, were a part of the youth group at the time, and we just decided during the summer we're going to hike up to Beacon Rock. It's not a hard hike by any stretch of the mean. Uh, there is a, a certain part where there's kind of just a handrail and then that sheer drop-off where you're looking down at the bottom of Beacon Rock and you're like, oh, I could go splat there <laughs> and be gone. But it's not a hard hike. If you've ever done it, um, you would know. If you've never done it, I advise you to do it because there's a, there's a certain part, and I took a picture of it. Remember, this was 12 years ago. It was on an iPhone 4, 
So this is just like four, a four megapixel camera, and unfortunately it's kind of squished and condensed from going pro presenter. But there was a moment where I was sitting at the top of Beacon Rock, and this was my view. And to get to this view, admittedly, I had to step over the railing at the very top and go down to an area where you're not supposed to go or where they don't say you should go. Uh, but the result was this picture on this cliff overlooking the Columbia River Gorge. Oregon on that side, about the only beautiful view of Oregon is that when you get past Portland. <laughs> you go outside of Portland, then it becomes beautiful. Uh, the rest of it, not so much. Um, but you see the hills and the mountains of Oregon right there. And I didn't get it, but on the Washington side, we have those mountains too. You have Hamilton Mountain, which is part of a hike that you can do at Beacon Rock. And I was just sitting there looking at the Columbia River in this gorge, this valley, in this moment of worship of looking at God's creation. This beautiful landscape in front of me. And thinking, my God, you made all of this. How wonderful are your works. How magnificent is your creation. Father, thank you for this moment where I can just sit here and look at this beautiful creation in which you've made. Church, that was a form of worship. That moment was sitting in gratitude and thankfulness for what God had done. However many years ago, whether you're a young earther or a new earther, whichever camp you describe, prescribe to, he made this years and years ago. And it's still beautiful. He's still sustaining it. I had such a moment of gratefulness and thankfulness to this beautiful creation. And when we zoom out and we look at keeping the Sabbath holy, and keeping it set apart in a day of worship to him, of yes, if you want, singing praises. But as you're going on a hike, or as you're sitting with your kids, or you're playing your guitar, or you're playing a board game with your wife and children, and you have moments of just gratitude and thankfulness to what God has done, what God has given you, that's worshiping Him on your Sabbath that state of just thankfulness. It's a day where we just, we orient everything around him. Orienting everything around him, which helps us to worship him. And then when we, when we have this time of Sabbath, and we worship him on our Sabbath, it overflows and helps us to do it the rest of the days of our week. To see the moments in which he's been good to us. And say, Father, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness.
thank you for the job that, yes, while well, I have to go to Portland. You can tell I'm not a big fan of Portland. But thank you for a job that helps me to provide for my family. It puts food on the table, a roof over our head. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when we keep, when we keep our day holy, our Sabbath holy, and set apart, no, it does not mean it has to be legalistic. Some of you might have been thinking, oh gosh, I have to do all these certain things, X, Y, Z, to make sure that I'm keeping it holy. I have to make sure I'm in solitude on my Sabbath. I don't see anyone. I have to make sure I'm continuously praying and reading Scripture or insert whatever other pharisaical aspect that you may think you have to do on your Sabbath. That's not what it's about. Unless some of those things do help bring you delight and rest into the Lord's presence, then absolutely do those. But it's not this list of things that you have to do to keep it holy. It's the heart behind it. It's making sure that we're centering God in that day. While, yes, doing the things that we love, doing the things that bring us joy, like going golfing. I had so much fun when in California, going golfing with my father-in-law. There were moments of restful worship in that. God, thank you that you helped me hit like five drives that were straight. <laughs> that alone was a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Because if you've ever gone golfing with me, mine always, whoo, slice to the right all the time, or I top it, and then it goes like to the ladies' tees. <laughs> but you absolutely can, and you absolutely should do the things that bring you delight. Do the things that are enjoyable and fun for you. But remember, is the core. Praise your God in those moments when you're having fun, when you have this joyful moment. Remember his goodness. Praise him for his goodness. Do the things that you enjoy. And just orient your heart in those moments and remember the Lord. Now, as I alluded in the introduction, there very much does seem to be this natural progression of the Sabbath. When we walk out these components, when we stop, And then we begin to rest. And we rest and he rejuvenates us. And then because we've become rested, we're then able to step into moments of delight. Like gathering with your small group, your contending community. Gathering with a couple friends, going for a hike. Playing golf, playing a game. Whatever it is that you enjoy to do. You're rested and you can take delight. And then from that delight, there seems to be an outpouring of praise and worship, this gratitude to God. It flows.
hours out. When we were going through on the pilot run with the contending community leaders for the Sabbath practice. As I mentioned, I've got kids, and so Sabbath has been sometimes a challenge. But during the pilot run, it was in October, and this year's summer went late, where we had second summer, I think it was, in October. And so there's a nice moment of sunshine. And so in the morning or late afternoon, late morning, took my kids outside, and I let them ride their scooters around as I sat in the driveway, and I was reading a book. And this book was partially on Sabbath. And I can remember distinctly as I'm, as I'm reading, and I just pause, and I just sit and listen. And I'm listening to my children laugh and enjoy themselves as they're zipping up and down the street. may have been a bad parenting moment for me to close my eyes as they're going, zipping up and down the street. But there was another adult outside, so it was fine. But I was just sitting there in a moment of just gratitude and thankfulness and joy as I was being able to just sit, stop, and rest and listen to my children play reading a book, delight in their joy, and give the Lord thanks for that. To just be grateful for that moment, that sliver of time. And his presence was just so tangible in that moment. I'm so thankful for what he'd done and what he was doing. And it's still a work in progress for us. This last Sabbath, things did not go quite as we had planned. Things came up. And that's okay, it's going to happen. But even when that happens, make sure to find those moments of delight and rest and worship Him in that. Thank Him for that. He desires to share those moments with you. He desires to be with you in those times. At this point, I'm going to invite Sarah. Woohoo! Sarah! Can we give her a, a little bit more? Thank you. There we go. There we go. All right. For you, those of you that don't know or do know Sarah. Uh, Sarah has been doing Sabbath for a while now, right? Mm -hmm. But how long have you been practicing Sabbath? Um, hard to say. Hard to say? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But I know it's been impactful for you, right? Yeah, maybe six months or so. Six months, okay. So yeah. what has your, so far, what has your experience been on your days of rest? Uh, I'm definitely understanding about um, how they build on each other, the stop, rest, delight, worship. Mm -hmm. um, where When I first started trying to do Sabbath, it was like, I guess this is just like an extended quiet time, which sometimes that is what I want or need. Um, 
but just trying to bring in creativity to my Sabbath um, by painting the trim on my windows <laughs> or meeting a friend for coffee and talking about what God is doing in our lives um, or what God is just doing in general um, or just going on a walk with a friend in nature. Yeah. So, in those days and in those moments of rest, um, how have you been able to incorporate worship? And what does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. um, so, worship is uh, my response to who God is and what He's done for me. Um, and it comes out in praise. So, just speaking praises to Him inside my head or out loud or um, what I love to do is to write my praises down kind of like a love letter to, um, like responding back to God um, and usually comes like after delight mm. yeah um, but it, I'm realizing that it can come the opposite too if I'm not feeling if I'm just not in into it, I'm just not in tune with the spirit. Um, I can like just here at church, um, we start worshiping. Maybe I'm not feeling it, um, but then my mind turns to delight just in the worship and going through those motions. Uh, my mind is turned back to him. Yeah, so worship can go into delight. Delight can go into worship. I love that. Yeah. I'd never, actually, I'll be honest, I'd never considered worship being able to kickstart mm -hmm. that moment of being able to delight in the Lord. So. Yeah, or just turning on worship music um, helps me to, like, get in tune with the Spirit. If I'm just having a hard time focusing or mm -hmm. I'm distracted, and then it can lead to delight. <laughs> and then back to worship, and then back to the light. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it can, it can look many different ways. But the heart of it is just focus and orientate everything around him. Yeah, true worship is, um, like in John 4, it talks about true worshipers, uh, worship in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. um, so in truth, being transparent and open to God, being so real with him um, and in spirit being in tune to the Holy Spirit um, and I know that that's happening when I feel like overflowing with love and just a joyful contentment and peace and this mysterious feeling of freedom um, freedom to love him and walk in obedience to him and freedom to say no to sin. That's beautiful. Do you have any other words of wisdom for the rest of us when it comes to Sabbath? Mm, I guess, again, just be creative. And um, like you said, it's a work in progress for sure. <laughs> Give yourself grace yeah. Yeah, while you're figuring it out. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah,
beautiful part about about Sabbath is its intent. From the beginning, humanity was meant to dwell and worship God in his immediate presence. And as we saw in the creation account, God had blessed the seventh day. He had blessed the Sabbath. And that this day was to take place in the garden. And things fell apart. But the incredible, part, incredible thing is, is that while, yes, it became broken, God is bringing it back into full fruition when he returns and he establishes the new heaven and the new earth in the new city of New Jerusalem. So we're going we're going to be going back to what Sabbath was always meant to be for the rest of eternity. And that while the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem are still yet to come, the great thing is is that we still can practice the Sabbath day of worship here and now. We don't have to just wait for eternity to be able to be in his presence. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be in his presence now. And we can begin to get the experience of what it will be like when he returns. Uh, Biblical scholar Michael Heiser, um, who actually just went to be with the Lord this past week, he called this, as I mentioned, the return to Eden plan. And this return to Eden plan is what he calls already, but not yet. Which means that we can already get a glimpse of this future reality of when Jesus returns and then we're in his presence again. And we can rest and delight and worship him in his immediate presence as his family. But what we get right now, yes, is not in its full extent. It's a piece and it's a glimpse, but it's not yet what it's meant to be. I use this quote back in our stop component from Missy Takano. And this is so good that I'm bringing it back. Running it back. But with this in mind, that Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in God's presence. It's an act of regular and intentional trust of God's rule on earth. We Shabbat, or we stop, in order to walk, rest, or dwell. When we stop working, we can truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this purposeful pause, we make room for God to take up residence in our individual lives and our communities. When we stop, rest, and delight, and then worship, we are reorienting 
our lives around him. And we re- we're reorienting him as the center of our community, of our church, our contending communities. And then when we do this, we get to take part in the new creation story, setting the stage for God to make his dwelling place once again on earth. We get to practice for when he comes again. We begin to establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Culture has a counterfeit of what rest and Sabbath look like. Culture has a counterfeit of what our lives should be. Culture's vision is for us to be busy and always going nonstop. To not have the Lord be the center of our day, of our week, of our year, of our life. Culture desires us to look away. In Hebrews 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude, by which we may offer God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. And we see in the next line that God is a consuming fire. This counterfeit kingdom, a counterfeit vision, God will completely consume and do away with. And he will reestablish his design and purpose as it always was meant to be, to be in his presence, delighting in who he is. I'm grateful that here and now, we can practice for him to come again. We can practice on our day of rest, of worshiping and delighting in his presence. But honestly, I'm really looking forward to experiencing what that fullest extent is supposed to be. It gives me so much joy to know that it's coming. That yes, I'm getting a taste now. But what's coming is going to be awesome. The Sabbath rest that he's inviting us to, when he comes again, it's going to be like nothing we experience today. And it's worth the wait. There's a psalm that I want us to meditate on. As we think about on our day of rest, how do I reorientate everything around him? How do I how do I worship him in this? And I would encourage you, if you're struggling with it, use this psalm during your day of rest. It's Psalm 100. It's the whole psalm. It's only five verses. So it's not, it's not a crazy amount. But on your Sabbath day, this week, I would encourage you, if you're struggling 
to worship the Lord. Meditate on this song. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. He's a God that delights in your worship, that delights in your gratefulness and gratitude and thanksgiving. He is a God that is always faithful. He's a God that created a whole day just for us to be able to be in his presence, to focus on him, to worship him, delight in him. And when we do that, he pours out his love on us. He rejuvenates us and our spirits and our souls. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his presence, thanking him and giving praise and blessing his name. Even if you do that on your, on your Sabbath day worship, on your Sabbath day, it is a sweet moment of worship. Father, thank you. Thank you that you created space for us to be able to be in your presence. A day where we can look and see at all the good things that you've done to delight in you, to delight in the activities that you inspired others to create or the activities that you created in creation. Father, thank you that we can delight in those things. And when we delight in those things, may we just spontaneously give you all the praise, all the thankfulness, May we completely form our lives and everything that we do around you, around who you are, and especially on this day of worship, on this day of rest, the Sabbath. May we remember the Sabbath, praise you on the Sabbath and keep it set apart holy for what it is that you have what it is that you're doing what it is that you want may we find rest in your presence more than just the weekend 
but a day that gives us new life. Gives us a spirit that's thankful and grateful. May we speak that to you. May we shout joyfully to you. May we serve you with gladness. May we come before you knowing that you are God. God, as our hearts are present to you, we see you. We know you're here among us. And we hear you, God, that you desire that our hearts would be yours. That even now we would turn ourselves towards the throne room of heaven and offer whatever it is Lord God that we have to you so stir our spirits stir our souls God broken your blood shed for us God and we celebrate you in worship in Jesus name